Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, they'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline. I write the How to Decorate blog. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Karen. I head up Ballard's branding team. We're We're your hosts. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of the show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at BallardDesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. And now, on with the show. All right, so our guest today, day five of Houston Week, our final day. We're so excited to open our new River Oak store in the Houston area. And today, we're going to chat with Meg Lonergan of Meg Lonergan Interiors. She founded her firm in 2009. And you're originally from South Louisiana, but you've lived all over the world, Singapore, New Zealand, France. And that has certainly influenced your style. You're all about mixing old and new flea market finds with fine antiques, classic with vintage, or classic with inventive, although I guess I could say classic and vintage, and you're, you love you love to use some color, so we're excited to chat with you, and thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me and for inviting me. This is exciting. Yeah, so I just, I really enjoyed looking through your portfolio, and I especially love seeing, I, I always get the biggest thrill from seeing designers' own houses. I think that you can learn like twice as much from their own house than their clients just because you are then expressing yourself and like what a hard you know I know that designers always talk about how their own house was like the hardest project they ever had but um but your home was featured in Southern Living so everyone's definitely got to go check that out and um okay here was the first thing that really struck me your bold green sofa um a bold sofa as I'm sure it would many of our listeners scares me a little bit so how, like, tell us about your project, how you bought your house, and then where you went with the um, interior design and how you landed on that building sofa. Well, I will preface this to say that my house looks nothing like those pictures anymore. Um, designers' homes are never, ever the same. You know, they're constantly evolving. Con- I mean, something gets delivered and swapped out weekly. It's just part of it, um, which is good and bad. My husband thinks it's super aggravating. And um, I think it's super fun. Our house is over 100 years old. um, And we had, we bought it during a time where the housing market in Houston was absolutely insane. And we lost out on a different house that had like 56 offers on it, that I was going to save it was an old another old house that I was going to renovate and bring back and I was in the delivery room with giving birth to my daughter and Anyway, long story, we missed out on that house and I was all disappointed oh and hormonal and, <laughs> you know, and my husband's like, don't worry, the right one will come. And sure enough, this one came in a neighborhood we were not even really looking in. We just adore it. Um, it has a big, deep front porch, like a 20 foot deep front porch on the front. And so it's just really inviting and charming um, architecturally. Um, so I remember when um, I'm a big fan fan of Erin Lauders. I think she's just got such a classic, beautiful style and taste, um, a refinement about her and elegance. And I remember when her fabric line and furniture line for Lee Jopa, for her whole brand was really launching um, a number of years ago. And I remember when it all came out at Lee Jopa. Well, actually, I'll go back and say that my, the other first piece of furniture I bought for my house, my previous first house was a a sofa from the Lee Jofa 
showroom sample sale um, that my aunt had put me on, who's a designer. Um, anyway, so I always knew that Lee Jofa does these sample sales and it's awesome because um, it's great, beautiful quality pieces that have never even been sat in and you can get them for a deal when they're kind of doing a new season or a new um, change. So I remember when that sofa got on the floor and they were promoting Aaron's whole line and I just thought it was the most beautiful it's a silk velvet and green chevron pattern and it's so pretty and it's an English arm style and a fitted back. Um, it had all these elements I love. And so I told um, Scott and Leo, the showroom guys, I said, okay, y'all keep me posted when y'all swap this out. It probably won't be for a whole other year, but <laughs> you know, I want to be the first person on your list you call. And sure enough, they did. They were so sweet. They called me. So I said, I had to have it. Um, so, and you know what? It's, I think when you buy what you love, you make it work. You know, I have had a million different layouts in that room, a million different things. I've had French day beds. I've had mid-century chairs. I've had all sorts, totally different coffee tables. I've had different rugs. And that sofa's kind of stayed constant. Um, and it's in great shape, um, despite my dog and kids running all over it. Um, so I think sometimes when you make a bold move, it, it's if you love it, it works. Um, and I, I also really am a firm believer in, um, just not being afraid. It's just a piece of furniture. It's not your life forever. You know, like someone being afraid to paint something a color, you can change the paint, you know, you can change your sofa. This is, you know, we're always evolving and changing as people. And this world is ever evolving. Nothing is ever staying the same. You're not marrying and it. So, exactly. <laughs> Even marriages don't even stay right? the same, you know, it's, yeah. it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Everybody's so nervous all the time um, about those things. And um, so anyway, I, that sofa has, it's, it's really the fabric, which is super luxurious, which makes it so nice. It's very comfortable. Um, so anyway, I'm glad that you noticed it because it's something that was special and we still have it. That's one of the only things we still have, you know, one of the things we still have that, in that same room. Um, are you moving things out to clients projects or you just get tired of things and want something new for yourself? Sometimes I have two storage units, so <laughs> things just kind of move around. Um, I need to get better about kind of purging and editing, but, um, it's fun to use my own house as a, as a practice canvas, you know, mm -hmm. for different things and, so for um, different things, are you, do you mean yeah. furniture or finishes or uh, layout? What do you, what do you try to all, there? all of that, all of that. I mean, the layout has changed a hundred times as my family's grown. We moved in that house with a six month old baby and a two year old. And now I have three kids and my oldest is nine and we have pets that we didn't have when we moved in. And so, um, so much has changed that in our own lives that we just have change the house to adapt um our family growing and changing we have a built-in banquette under our tv with a table now where the kids do homework and have snack after school and that that's only a year old that didn't even exist um back when southern living shot the house so i guess the takeaway for listeners is to keep an open mind you know it's okay for your house to evolve it's okay for in two years to, for it to look totally different than it looked prior or you know, it's okay for what was a dining room to become an office. Um, that's right. okay. It's supposed to work yeah. for you. 
Yeah. 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 And your life is changing. So your house should change with you as you, you know, for your needs. How do you balance that with, you know, trying to make smart investments that you really feel like are going to last for a long time? Like I just, for example, I'm always trying to plan out our, at our house, the next project. I'm trying to think like, okay, you know, I'm no, I'm going to have to have toy storage. Like what's going to like be something that can really last a long time. So I'm wondering how you sort of balance those two things, you know, trying to plan ahead, but also staying flexible and not feeling like this is a permanent solution. Yeah. Or pigeonholing yourself. I think toy storage to me is temporary. Those kids outgrow that stuff so quick. I mean, I can tell you my son, my oldest is nine and I'm like, this has been a blur. They just grow so quick and so fast. So toy storage. And when it comes to that kind of stuff, I think Ikea, I think Ballard has some great options. I think CBT, you know, I go to the big box stores for affordability because that's in my mind, that's temporary. However, (laughs) everybody listening is going to say, wait, I'm not sure what she's talking about. However, I will say like, I have a big, um, beautiful French armoire in my house. And we that was one of another one of the first pieces of furniture we bought because we didn't have a single closet. We didn't have closets. You know, older homes don't have much storage. That armoire has housed back before I ever had an office with my business. It housed all the fabric samples and bind, client binders and all my business stuff. Then when I finally got an office and moved all that out of it, then it started to house toys and kids stuff. Um, it's been a bar. It's been gift wrap. It's been, so I think if you buy really beautifully, beautiful quality case goods, you're going to use it for something, um, whether it's toys or gift wrap or your bar, something. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's important to teach, to teach children to be around nice things. Um, just because they're kids doesn't mean they need to be, you know, I, now my kids, definitely make messes and they definitely sort of I'm not the strictest mom so there's Cheetos on the sofa sometimes and (laughs) (laughs) yeah you live there yeah we live there I'm not fussing about that stuff um but I you know I I teach them to respect their things um I will say my my daughter I made these like beautiful bolster pillows for her twin beds out of like vintage fortuny fabric and then I put this like pom-pom trim from France on the edges and like when she was like three she pulled (laughs) off all the (laughs) pom-poms you just have to laugh I mean yeah it's I I have a you know life is too short these are luxuries I I could cry and fuss and get mad or I just trimmed all the all the little frayed threads and it just they had a different look then afterwards yeah yeah at least it was at least it was some pillows you know? Exactly. So I kind of have a laid back point of view with that stuff. But I do really think it is important for kids. I think it's okay for them to be with um, nice things and beautiful things and have good art in their rooms. And that's how they that's how they learn. That's I mean, take your kids to museums, take them, you know, I, I encourage people to teach their children about art. Well, it's it's a good thing to remember, because it's, it's a balance, right? You teach your kids to be respectful of the house. It's not a jungle gym. But on the other hand, like, it, you know, you are going to play here. It is a place to be comfortable. So there's, you know, you got to incorporate some of both. It's not exactly, a, it's not a exactly. museum, but it's also not, you know, some place where you can 
I mean, I will say my my daughter was a drawer. So, I mean, we really battled the markers and the crayons and coloring on walls. And there was a lot Mm -hmm. of that. But again, there's paint. I mean, yeah. I don't know. They can get, erase, they can get one of those magic erasers. It's great. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of like um, making yourself, I mean, making your house like warm and friendly and not taking things too seriously. I did love the project that you did that was in, I want to say it was HGTV, but um, it was the house with the, the turquoise luck were new. Okay. Yes. Um, tell everybody about that project and how much the, the clients loved color and how you incorporated color at every turn. She was, she's just so great. First of all, she's a pediatrician. So she loves kids and she has three kids and her kids are all super close in age. So I think by the time they moved in, I think the kids were like seven, five and four or something. I mean, just at that crazy time age. Um, So she, you know, it was all about kids and dogs and color and, and fun. And we want our friends to come over. So kind of like one of the first decisions we made design wise, which is not anything decorative, but it's just purely function was like what material is the floor. And um, they ended up being concrete, we did um, poured polished concrete, which is so practical, especially in this part of the country where it's hot all the time and um so Does it yeah stay nice and cool mm-hmm. and it's just so mm-hmm. easy to clean and mm-hmm. um so that was one of the first decisions and she knew she wanted um you know the bold stove so that was the first those were the first sort of decisions we made um and it was just so fun I mean we just I mean it was color, color, color. And I think one of the, I mean, for me, one of the most part, fun parts about design is not, I have clients who don't want any color. And yes, that's totally different what, than what I would have in my own house. But I love doing it just the same as I love doing something super colorful. I, I just, for me, it's just so fun to like practice and, and flex that create creative muscle and, and help somebody get what they want. Um, so but yeah, that, that was a fun, a really fun project with lots of color. And, um, and I mean, one of the most beautiful things was, I don't know if you remember seeing, but there was like a beautiful copper tub in her bed, in her bathroom. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. Yes. A copper tub. I mean, that's a risk, <laughs> a freestanding copper tub. It's expensive, you know, and I was just thrilled to the moon that that's, you know, we were in the plumbing showroom picking all the plumbing for the whole house. And there was one on display and she said, Oh my God, I love that. And I said, when we were like, well, let's do it. And the rep was like, actually, I might be able to give you a good deal on this particular one. Um, (laughs) And she said, I might have to sneak it past my husband, but yeah, let's do it. Cause it was still pricey. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was, I loved her. And that, that kind of goes along with, we were definitely in line with our Mm -hmm. um, ideas of kind of, you only live once, yes. go with what you love, you know, just. Well, I did notice sort of kind of going with that theme of just go for it, um, that your walls and ceilings are, to me, the walls are in your projects are white or something, you know, like something bold. And same with the ceilings. Lots of, to me, from what I can tell, sh- uh, glossy ceilings or pattern on the ceiling. Can I talk about your wall color? And oh, ceiling I love gloss? a ceiling moment. I mean, <laughs> it, it's so fun. Um, 
I'm not a real beige person. So taupes or beiges are beautiful colors. And I, I do love earth tones, um, but more in the olives or that kind of rust or that kind of tone. Um, yeah, I generally like a white canvas or something more saturated. Um, but yeah, I'm not, all of it is so instinctual. It's really hard for me to say like, where it comes from. I don't even know where it comes from. I think, I mean, growing up and traveling overseas and living overseas, I've I've seen a lot just on vacations or trips or school trips or that kind of thing. And I think all of that kind of gets in your brain and is like, it just never leaves. And, and you end up drawing inspiration later and you subconsciously, and you have no idea that, you know, that hot pink from actually from that project you were referencing in her, they called it a puzzle room instead of like a study. It was like where the kids did puzzles after school and they all hung out. And the, and we did this low co- long coffee table big enough for all the puzzles. But I mean, we had this hot, hot pink sofa in there, you know, and it's like when I, I've been to India and you think of the hot pinks all over India, you know, so I think some of that just comes from my life. And I don't, I, it's hard for me to really even pinpoint it. And a lot of it is, (laughs) I wish I had, I wish I could tell you it's more of some kind of formulated science. And I don't know, it's really just comes from my heart and soul, Mm -hmm. more of like some instinctual gut reaction. No, that makes total sense. Yeah. My bedroom actually, um, is a Farron ball. I use a lot of Farron ball, Farron ball, the English paint company. Um, that's heavily pigmented. So um, the colors are just so amazing. And and a lot sometimes people complain they don't want to pay for ferron ball paint because it's more expensive. And I'm like, well, if you hold a gallon of ferron ball, ball paint in your left hand and you hold a gallon of any other paint in your right hand, it's going to feel three times as heavy because of all the pigmentation. And that shows when it gets put on the wall. Well, my, my bedroom's painted a, um, a ferron ball color called Studio Green, which is almost black. And again, that was a total, like, I don't know, my previous bedroom was all white and cream curtains and everything white and ethereal and peaceful. And I don't, this other house is like, we have this big oak tree in the front yard and it's all canopied over my bedroom and it's kind of moody. And I just had this feeling like, I want to paint this bedroom like dark, dark, dark. And it's been like that for six years and I've never even wanted to repaint it. It's just so nice. Is that the photo that's in the Southern Living article? So it's your it probably is, and I don't even know the <laughs> pictures anymore. It's been a long, it's been a few years, but yeah, there. I think maybe a small picture. Um, it's a, I don't like know a four a big, poster, a black four poster yes. bed, and mm-hmm. like a chartreuse painting maybe yes, on the bed. That's it. Mm-hmm. Okay, because the walls in the photo look like a dark peacock. Yeah, and so it's, it's really darker than that in real life. Huh? It's almost black. It's really dark, 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 like hunter green. Um, Anyway, it's just gorgeous. I use that color all the time. I paint interior doors that color all the time. Um, I love that color. Uh, I love, I love it. I love a moody color. Um, you know, it, it, and that, yeah, that was a risk, I think, to paint a bedroom almost black. <laughs> well, Actually, worked. my nursery, my nursery for my vape, my first, my oldest son. So when I did like his nursery, I painted his nursery black blue, Farrow Ball black blue, and that color is almost black too. And I painted that three, I wanted it to be feel kind of navy and I painted it 
three different times, I think, before I splurged <laughs> and went all the way in with Pharaoh and Ball. But I don't know. Sometimes warm, color, dark, dark colors like that is, you know, they just, they feel so cozy. Mm-hmm. They embrace um, you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They do. The glossy ceilings. Can we talk about that one second? Just because I'm personally okay, sure. I'm curious. So are these, are you lacquering these ceilings or are you covering with something or is it just paint? All of the above. Everything. We wallpaper a lot mm-hmm. of ceilings because that's probably the most inexpensive way to do it, uh-huh. um, depending on the wallpaper. But actually, there's some cool wallpapers that are like, that look lacquered, like a lacquered oh. or, or grass cloth. We do a lot of grass cloth ceilings um, for texture. Mm-hmm. Um, and some are lacquered, but it's expensive to lacquer. You know, it's a it's a multi-step process. Sometimes if there like there's not enough art or if they're, you know, or if you want, you know, like sometimes that's kind of a good little sneaky thing to do. If you don't have anything good on the walls, um, okay. you could put something on the ceiling. Um, sometimes it's just nice to be able I, I use it a lot as like a separation. So like two rooms can be next to each other and you want all the walls to be the same. But if you didn't do something on one of the, I'll, I'll do something mm-hmm. on one of the ceilings. So at makes least sense. it makes a clear distinction between the two spaces. I think, I think some of it comes mm-hmm. from like that Southern, you know, New Orleans, you know, like New Orleans porch ceilings are yeah. always painted that Robin's egg blue. I think a lot of it comes from that, you know, it's just kind of like that kind of, a small space. It really does work in small spaces. However, I've done it in big spaces and tall ceilings too. So what about low ceilings? So I think low ceilings, well, this depends on the space, mm-hmm. but um, I think low ceilings, like small rooms, low ceilings, those all do tend to look better all one color. So even if it's, mm-hmm. even if the color is dark, like black, blue or studio green or one of those dark colors, I would paint the ceiling that color too and the walls mm-hmm. and just do it all. It's like, go all in, you know, head yeah. first. Yeah. And everybody mm-hmm. will call. I mean, I can, 19 out of 20 clients will quit back, but I'm not sure that'll make it feel smaller. And then, no, it makes it feel cooler, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And it's just paint. <laughs> yeah. And in that kind of a, in that kind of a moment, would you go with um, like a semi-gloss or would you go matte. with a matte paint? Uh-huh. I, I really mm-hmm. only use high gloss. Uh, well, God, I break all these rules. There's no rules. There's no rules. Right, you do. Um, <laughs> I like ma- I use matte on the walls exclusively, pretty much, unless we're doing like a, unless it's plaster or unless it's a lacquered something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then trim. Matt's not as forgiving with children, though. No, but right? you just get that magic eraser out or you call your painter to show up That's on true. the weekend when you're out of town and you repaint mm-hmm. it. It's fine. Keep a little touch Egg- up. Eggshell yeah. is tricky, too. Eggshell is easier to maintain, but harder to paint and more expensive to paint mm-hmm. from the get-go. Well, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Was it? there was someone that was on the show. I want to say it was Tracy Feller. Um, this would have been years ago, but she was talking about how she actually feels like matte is easier because you can just touch. If you Agreed. get your touch up and you just do like one little dab, it'll be. Yeah. Early, early in my career, a builder advised me and he said, eggshell, just, you can't touch it up. Just don't do eggshell. And I said, okay, I trust you. <laughs> Yeah, he, he probably he knew what he was talking about. 
He did. Yeah. He did. He's been called looked- to come touch it up, probably. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Thanks for the tip, you know? Yeah. So there was one project, one project that you did, and um, there all, all the time on the show, we hear from designers and they talk about how, you know, the starting point for almost all of their projects is the house, the house itself and the architecture. And you really have to decorate for the house you have and you, you know, communicate in the language that your house is already speaking in, I guess. And there was a project you did where some clients had very, some very contemporary contemporary art, some very contemporary furniture, and they bought a very traditional house. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about this project and um, what we can learn from these clients who really wanted to mix the style of what they loved, but with the the, how, the style of the house they were, they were buying. Yeah, I think I, I am such a mixer of things that I don't, I do think you need to, you need to follow the house for sure, but not full stop. You don't need to match it. Mm-hmm. I'm not, a, I don't match anything. I hate, I hate matching. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah. And that's, that's what have our, you know, our yeah. past guests have said, just taking yeah. cues. Yeah. Architect- yeah. Yeah. I see. So w- this particular project, they, it's a beautiful historic home on a stately um, boulevard in Houston and it had just been done by a well-known designer who I'm friends with and love. And that her client had a very uh, French country and kind of glamorous French style. And it was faux painted and, I mean, exquisitely done, exquisitely done, over the top, over the top, beautiful. Um, and so my clients were coming from a modern house with modern furniture, everything from Italy and contemporary art. And so she, we, our kids go to school together. So she was telling me at our kids field day, she's like, I think, um, he's put an offering on this house and I think it might be a mistake. Do you think you have time this weekend to run over here and tell me if this is a total mistake or not? <laughs> so like, yeah. So I, so I ran over there. I mean, first <laughs> of all, oh, the no pressure. homes in Houston. I mean, it's the lot and the location and everything is beautiful. Um, so I, I ran inside, I looked at it and I said, I think we can make it work. I thought about it kind of all weekend, like it stuck with me. And I said, I think we can make it work. But the kitchen was really faux painted, everything in ornate cabinetry and ornate millwork. And I said, I think we can do it, but we need to do it in this kind of Parisian apartment way where like, you know, all the architecture in Paris is old and, you know, Versailles pattern floors and original floors and ornate marble fire surrounds and stuff like that. And then they young people come in and they they're like, ew, this is old fashioned and fuddy duddy and I want modern. And so then they plop a big, cool, super modern kitchen in and or a modern lighting in and modern art. And so I said, I think if we do it that way, it will work and be incredible. So I don't think you should buy this house if you're not prepared to renovate the kitchen. If you're prepared because the kitchen's the heart and soul and the kitchen will set that will really set the tone of that kind of yin and yang. And I said, because we keep all the floors and there was like some cool beams. Um, and so I said, we can keep all that. Um, but I think it does need that modern kitchen. So if you're prepared and also the kitchen layout was kind of strange. So for I, I just different. And so I said for her and their family and I, and I just said, I think if we change the shape of it a little bit and do this modern kitchen, then go for it. So what started with a kitchen renovation 
within, I think that was like May 16th, we had chatted. And then by June 6th, we had the kitchen on order from Eggersman out of Germany. And that happened. Oh my God. By June wow, 15th, that's fast. the entire house was taken to the wow. stove. And it was a, I mean, not, yeah, it was, it was wild. And we, and they moved in before Christmas. That was the fastest project I've ever worked on. And it, wow. I mean, all to the credit of the architect and the builder and, and me. I mean, we worked together as a team. The three of us just made it happen. It was really fun and exciting. And because the clients said yes and understood or trusted all three of us. And I think that's so key. When you have a client who doesn't question or or puts their faith in you and trust in you, the result is magic every time. And it and it's scary. And and you know, I, I, a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine who's a designer said this to me the other day that she told a client and I thought it was so brilliant. She said, if some of this doesn't scare you or make you nervous that I'm presenting or suggesting, then I'm not doing my job correctly. Because if you can imagine it all, and if you know what it should look like already, then you don't need the designer. You know, we're there to push people out of their comfort zone or a little bit, or I mean, all great design has an element of delight. surprise or mm-hmm. um, irony. Yes, delight, right. joy, irony. Like, show me something that right. I'm not expecting to see, you know, surprise me. Um, so, and that's that exact thing in that house. You know, you walk in this house, which is so traditional on the exterior, and you walk in and you see this gorgeous lacquered modern kitchen, and it's like, yeah, wow. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like our our listeners cool. have to go look at look it up because it, when it was in Lux Magazine, so back in um, yeah, it was in Lux back Magazine. in two thousand nineteen. It it really is spectacular. I mean, and I feel like you you totally Thank nailed you. that Parisian sort of look. But it has, I love the blend of um, you know, they're like these bright open spaces with white and molding that very you know Parisian look to it. But there are also some like you know, there's like a dark little study with kind of a green and, yeah. you know, dark ceiling. Um, so they're, they, they trusted me and, and they, they met at um, law school in Tulane. So they lived in New Orleans. So they both have kind of a similar aesthetic to me and that, you know, we, we, they, they understood kind of where I was going. And I mean, that's that um, TV room had such an unusual color combination. We had this like pink and rust rug with this, sagey green walls I mean very bizarre and it's so cool I think I mean to me that's still one of my most beautiful rooms I've ever made um but it's it's not something you rip rip out of page 42 of some catalog you know what I mean it's completely unique Mm -hmm. to them um and I'm proud I'm proud of that and and happy that they have that for them Um, okay there's something that you did a little bit in some of your client spaces and I need you to explain it to me. The tiny painting over the bed. It looks great, but never would have been something that I would consider. I can't take full credit for that. I I can't take full credit for that. So one of my very dearest best friends is a designer here in town named Aaron Rambo. Wildly creative. I mean, unbelievably creative. And he is exceptional at styling and he's also exceptional with color. Um, but he, his, his strength is styling. And I, I think that's kind of where I lose a little bit of gas in projects. You know, I'm there from the beginning 
picking the tile, picking the grout, <laughs> four page long paint schedules, um, <laughs> you know, working with architects for three years and, you know, all of the drapery, the rugs, the sofas, all the big pieces. And then we get down to the installation of the photo shoot and I'm kind of like, oh, I'm too tired to think about. I'm, yes, I'm too tired to think about what he calls the <laughs> knickknack paddywhack. And I'm like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't care about what vase goes here or what, you know, I get kind of just burnt out by that point. And he loves it. He loves just throw a bun. And so we, we've been tag teaming it through COVID and through just the last year and a half, my business has kind of changed and, and like everybody, I mean, we've just gone through such a massive change. So I lost um, a lot of some staff members. And so, and I was hesitant to rehire full to back to full capacity again, just not knowing what was going on and not knowing everyone's availability with schools. And it's just been crazy. So Aaron and I have been totally collaborating on some of these installations and photo shoots. And we'll both kind of run around town and pick up all this cool stuff and then get the movers to bring it all over. And he'll just place it. And we, so anyway, that's all him. And I love it. I mean, I, I totally, again, that, that goes back to that sort of irony or that surprise element of like, don't hang it in the middle. You know, everybody would hang it in the middle, hang it off to the side or hang it low or hang it. Doesn't need to be perfect. Well, and especially in this one um, example that I'm, that I was looking at, you know, it's a, it's kind of one of, it's one of those bedrooms where you, you get that, like the person was like, I just want my bedroom to be like, spa-like, you know, like I want it to be tailored. I want it to be yeah. restful. I don't want anything bold. You know, I, I feel like this is like classic parent. I don't know if as, a parent lives here, but that space. is like yeah. parent bedroom. But as, but as oh, beautifully, yeah. you know, with a delicious and a, and velvet. Yeah. And they run their- but then you yeah. have to have this weird sort of tiny painting off-centered. I feel like it just, it totally makes it. For me, and what makes me happy is those quirky things that give it personality. And that doesn't look like what the, the person down the studio down the street did or somewhere, you know, it just makes it a little more unique. And it's not for everybody. You know, I, there's a quote, and I'm terrible at remembering things like this, so I can't say it perfectly. But I remember reading this quote once that said, you know, art is not doing its job unless it doesn't evoke a reaction. So the reaction can be good. The reaction can be terrible. Like, I hate that. And that's when it's doing its job. You know, when there's no feeling or no sort of like, when you just look at something and think, "Hmm, wow, that's nice. Or you don't remember it or whatever, then it's not doing, it's not doing its job. So it's like, for me, the fact that you remembered that and are mentioning that in this, makes me so happy. Um, and like I said, I can't even take credit for it. It wasn't even me. I love it. And I'm totally into it. And I, and that's why Aaron and I work so well together and like collaborating together because we both, we both see things the same way. And we both, we both enjoy that sense of irony. Um, okay. But here, here's my question. When can you hang, are there any other instances in which you can hang a small painting on a large wall? Because I feel like 99% of the time, it'll be a it is actually going to look bad. Yeah. You know, you know, it's all about the layering. So, and it's all about that juxtaposition. So in that particular case, you keep referring to, 
the layers are there, like the walls are grass cloth. They're not just white painted sheetrock, you know, so you've already got an element of texture. The bed is this beautiful uh, antique linen velvet fabric that's textured. So, you know, and then you put this acrylic painting on top. It it just, in that particular case, that worked, but you're right. But over a mantle, that's, and a lot of this I've learned, I learned from Aaron. I mean, just watching him over the years, um, a favorite trick with a fireplace mantle, you know, hang something off center, hang something low. It doesn't need to be just because you have five feet of space doesn't need, doesn't mean you need to fill it with a 48 inch mirror. Um, you can get something and you can put two or three things. It doesn't need to just be the one. And you know what? In four months or four years or 40 years, if you want to change it, change it. I guess that's, I keep coming back to that theme, but I think, I think that's what, I think that's where people really get hung up in interior design is thinking that these decisions they're making are forever and they're not, they're just. Okay. The final art moment that I just loved. There was a great, I mean, there were a lot, but this was the one that stuck out to me. Um, There was this great dining room. And you, I bet you already know where I'm she going. She has a lot of those. And, um, <laughs> no, I know. Like, oh, well, I, yeah, well, well no, I know. But, but the art moment. Okay. So there was this, it was oh. like a mirrored wall that was sort of like bumped out. And then there was this blue sculpture painting. It looked like a, you know, just. You're yeah, really it's got like a big paintbrush really thing on it. Work. I, I know, know I'm I, acting I, it out too. Y'all can't see me. I'm doing like a little sweep of paint on the screen, but I, it I, looks like a little dab of paint as a screen sculpture. Anyway, bringing up, I love the, I love the the spaces you're referencing. Thank you because you did your homework and you're you're referencing important important images of my portfolio. So thank you. Um, this this house was a beautiful is a beautiful house and it was a high-end spec house done by a very talented uh architect and sort of design build team and my client bought it when it was like 90% finished or 95% finished and they kind of had staged it a little bit with some pieces and some stuff for like a party to show kind of show off the work and I mean it's stunning um but that that room and that I mean, he sourced all these beautiful architectural elements from France, like the fireplace surrounds and chandeliers and lanterns. And I mean, it's it's really and um, flooring material. I mean, it's really amazing. Um, but there's an art dealer in town, Kathy Dimmitt, and she had and another designer in town, um, Katie Scott, who had used this artist at a show house his name's Donald Martini and I had seen a picture of it um and I thought wow that's so cool like and so Kathy and I just got to chatting and her business was starting off now she has this big gallery and she's blowing and going but this was years ago when um and so and she didn't represent him at the time and so we were I was like gosh that would be amazing to put that on this mirror like I wanted to it's hang art on it, yeah. but it couldn't just be a regular painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and no offense to how they had staged it, but it was like, there was like a landscape on it or something when they did the party. It and it was pretty and fine, but I had seen that. No, mm-hmm. 
No, it wasn't that kind of, wow, that's cool moment. And so anyway, well, Donald Martini had been commissioned to um, create some works for the One World Trade Center in New York when they built the new buildings. And the pieces were so big that he had to build them inside the building. They couldn't be taken in. He also, he's fascinating. He had been, uh, he's more of like a chemist or a scientist because the material of the art is like this, um, it's like a, it's not foam because it's heavier than, I don't even know how you describe it, but it, it does look like paint. It's like a 3D, mm-hmm. it's like a, some kind of material and he created it. Like he invented it. Like, does he cast it in like a um, mold or? I think, and I'm guessing on this, I probably should find out more information. I think what he does is like mixes it and creates it and then it dries uh-huh. into that, um, fit that form. Um, but he's, it took him basically his whole life. He'd been working on cr- perfecting this material for, I'm talking about decades and he's older, I think seventies now. And he's, you know, it's perfected and he's, and it's so funny because that was the first one I've placed. And since then I still love his work and I love it, but it's like, we've probably placed like 10 since then. Yeah, everybody wants one, you know? And, and they're and they're spectacular, but at that time, that was the first that I had done, and 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 it was Kathy's second, but it was it was a moment, and then and now she represents him, and you know, and and he's really, I mean, he's become much more well known all and because of his um, exposure at the One World Trade Center, but yeah, and so when it the piece that the here's a little funny side story about that. First of all, when the piece came, I thought it was going to be like 500 pounds. I had no idea just because it's the way it holds the saturation of the paint, it looks so dense. So it looks so heavy. I had no, but you could pick it up with one hand. It's really lightweight. So the other thing was I was very particular about the color of it. I wanted it to be blue. This particular client doesn't love as much color. She likes much more muted, um, softer colors or no color. So I thought it really needed to be a color. Um, so, but I didn't want it to just be maybe blue. I, you know, it needed to be the right kind of blue. Well, back to Farrow and Ball. Farrow and Ball has a color called Hague blue. That's kind of like a, a navy blue with more green in it. So I was like, Kathy, can we get Donald to like commission, you know, a Hague blue one, blah, blah, blah. So she says, yes, he works on it, blah, blah, blah. She's so excited. She sends me a picture of it on like a Sunday and it was like shipping out on a Monday and we were going to install it on a Friday or something on the Sunday night. And she just reminded me of this story last week, actually. And this was like eight years ago or six years ago, somewhere. It was a while ago. And she goes, remember when you had that panic and you thought it was black? So she texts me a picture of it and I thought, it's black. It's not the Hague, it, you know, it was, such, I was expecting such a particular navy blue, like not even just navy blue, like it had to be this navy blue with like, you know, three drops of, you know, turquoise green in it to make it this bright blue. Anyway, and so, and she, and she said, Meg, I just panicked when you would text me like, it looks black. And, and, and she's so cool and calm. And she said, let's get it here and let's see it in real life and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, we got it. We, we hung it. It was the perfect color and, and people always talk about it. I mean, to this day, that is like one of the most talked about rooms and pictures of my work for sure, without a doubt. Totally. And I feel like it, you know, it, it wasn't that big 
I mean, in the scale of the room, but because it was on that mirrored wall, I feel like it sort of was no. the same thing as the tiny piece over the, the, it was the layers that really made it work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the three dimension. It's a long question, but I'll read it. It's from Brooke. And she says, hi, everyone. I recently moved into one of those sheetrock mausoleums mentioned on the podcast earlier this year. So I've been listening to you all as often as I can and learning a lot. I've never decorated anything from scratch without hand-me-downs and secondhand purchases, let alone a place this size and shape. Right now, we only have a few pieces of furniture from our previous house, and I don't want any of it. I have several questions for you relating to the great room and entryway. For background, I love bold, pure hues and bright tints and styles that I've seen by designers such as Jonathan Adler, Will Taylor, Maria Killam. So I love ideas for how I could bring these colors and styles into the space related to the following questions. The big empty wall at the end of the great room is 17 feet wide and 10 feet tall. My idea is to have built-in cabinets on the bottom and shelves up to the ceiling starting at the outer wall and coming in 11 feet leaving the last six feet of space for an upright piano, which I don't have yet. There would also be a large open section in the shelving centered on the seating area for a TV. I thought I could put board and batten on the wall behind the piano with a large clock or painting to balance with the shelves on the rest of the wall. What other feedback or considerations um, or suggestions do you have for me? What do you think of adding a color on this wall or the built-in shelving, would you, or would you make them white? Two, what seating furniture arrangement do you suggest? I intend to have a 9 by 12 rug in, in a turquoise aqua color with a white trellis, and I'd like a navy blue sofa. My kids are asking for comfortable chairs because they really don't like the ones we have. I was thinking of something like the Ballard, like Ballard Skylar Swivel Glider. My husband's greatest wish is to maximize the seating in this room for some day when we can have lots of guests over. How can we do that while still keeping the open flow? I love the windows in this room, but they are also the biggest difficulty. They face south, so the the sun shines directly in most of the day. I need something to diffuse the light so it doesn't shine in our eyes. The worst of the problems actually... Oh, the worst of the problem actually shines through the top windows, and I don't know how to deal with them because of the curved tops. It's one of those big arched kind of multiple windows, but they create a big arch together. Um, What can I do to make them beautiful and functional? And then... Okay, I'm going to try to summarize these (laughs) because it's a lot. Um, What would you do to add color to our black and white kitchen? We're planning to put white subway tile backsplash and dark grout because I prefer to add color in less permanent ways. I'm interested in adding colorful pendants, but we have to add wiring for that. And my husband doesn't like pendants in general. Also, I'd like to have a bench in the entryway, but that's as far as I've gotten there. I need ideas for what to do with big empty walls. All right, so... Um, Karen isn't able to describe the space for us. That's usually what she does, but, um, yeah, it's a big kind of great room. It's sort of long and not skinny, but long with the kitchen at one end, dining in the middle, living room at the end. And that far wall with the living room that you're looking at from all three spaces is just a big empty blank wall. And then on one side, it's open to the entryway. On the other side, it's this huge window that she says is, is too bright and she needs window treatments. So, Meg, what do you think? It's a tricky space. Poor Brooke. I feel like she got like the wrong designer to give her advice on this because I'm telling her all the things she doesn't want to hear that I think she needs to do for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
if it was me and I was given this room, I would paint the kitchen a color, even though she doesn't want to use color in permanent spaces. Paint's not permanent. It can be changed. But I think the scale of the kitchen isn't big enough. It, I, if, again, I, I, that's what I would do. I would paint it a color. I think it would be so charming and feel kind of English to do like a, mm-hmm. a cool color on those cabinets. I don't know if I mm-hmm. would spend the money on the backsplash tile. Um, I would maybe, I think the lighting would be more important. Um, I wouldn't do dark mm-hmm. grout because I think it's a little trendy. Um, so if she wanted the white subway tile, I'm starting in the kitchen, sorry, to move backwards. But I would do the white right. subway tile with just white grout. I would paint the kitchen cabinets in the island all like a, a pretty color. And that could be it. something mm-hmm. in the blue family, something in the green family. Um Uppers and lowers. Uppers and lowers. I think two small pendants okay. would be nice. Um, something mm-hmm. with like a clear, clear glass that you can kind of see through, like a a globe type. Um, so it's not too intrusive because it's not a huge. It doesn't look huge, or like an open lantern mm-hmm. where you can see through it. Um, okay, that's what I would do in the kitchen. Moving on to the like right behind that is the breakfast table. I would change that out to mm-hmm. an oval or a round shape. So not everything's so squared everywhere because you're going to move mm-hmm. in. Yeah, she's got that square island yeah. and then the uh-huh. square and then she's going to move into like more square furniture in the in the family room. So I would pick a, actually I was looking on Ballard. They have a, just so I could give you all a little plug here, but the Bunny Williams has two great tables. Both of them are expandable mm-hmm. um, oval shape that, I think are great. The other thing, the other reason why I like those is that they're, um, they're historically referenced, you know, her designs. So I think they look, they look like something you might've inherited or they don't, they just don't look like a brand new piece of furniture. And I think that's so important to give a space Mm -hmm. feel like soulful or have character. So I would choose, Mm -hmm. um, choose that for the breakfast table. Um, and they also have a chair that was, one in her line that's a new chair that's like great it's like a mix of upholstery and let me look up the name I wrote it down um but it had a mix of uh, a wooden frame and upholstery oh manor house yes it must be that um yeah it has a wood leg that's sort of bamboo yeah or new field no I don't I need to look um I like the manor house table though and I like the Goshen table I wrote those wrote those down um, but I think, I think the, any of the Suzanne Castler or the Ballard or the bunny furniture for Ballard is just dynamite. I think it's important to have a different shape in there to feel, mm-hmm. uh, to not cut everything off or make everything feel so boxy. Um, and then I would do it, I guess, starting with the rug. I, I think those kind of turquoise trellis, I think that feels very, I think that will date so fast. Um, so if it was me, I would do a big sisal, sisal or seagrass rug. Again, Ballard has tons of options for that. Um, and then I would layer like a found rug over on top of it. That's smaller so that you're maximizing your budget because a big antique or old rug of that size is expensive, but you can pick up a four by six or a five by seven at a estate sale or your local resale shop for next to nothing. And it'll look super cool under a coffee table. And you put that over your sizal or seagrass. Mm-hmm. Um, then you could still do the Navy sofa, which I think is practical and good, but I wouldn't do it. I would do a sectional 
um, to maximize mm-hmm. the space and just feel the coziest for the family. So you could do it in an L shape where one of the backs is to that window and then one back to the dining space. And then I, I liked your idea of the swivel gliders and I would have those mm-hmm. facing the window and there's tons of different options for swivel gliders, but I, and I like the mm-hmm. one she chose cause it had a rounder rounded back. And so that was a, again, a different shape than the sofa. There's like the, let me see mm-hmm. what sofa it was that I found. I guess it was, I got to look it up, but there was a great, there was a great, um, I think it was a Suzanne Kessler sectional. Um, the math is, yes, yeah, that one. Her, her big yeah. Section. So I would do that sectional and then, um, a different shape for the chairs. So tub, mm-hmm. you know, a tub shape or a rounder shape and the swivel gliders would be great. Okay. With her built-ins, mm-hmm. I would not do anything off center. Here I am preaching to the choir about putting off center art and off center this and off center that. And now I'm like, no, do not do these built-ins off center. I think with architectural <laughs> things like that, they need mm-hmm. to be centered, like a requirement, like, yeah. like 100%. So I think she needs to find a different mm-hmm. place for her piano. What about to the right of, um, she's got a lot of space in here. Like, I wonder if she could even put it in the dining room. I thought that, that too. Like I thought room. that too. But then I thought she wanted to do like desks there for her kids that are uh, homeschooling. Oh, okay. I mean, those kids aren't going to homeschool forever. So you could put that, you could put that piano there. I think that would be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think that built-in bookcase needs to be centered and I think it needs to have some closed storage. Do not do the whole thing open. Like you can do all the base cabinets closed and then the TV section open, but all around it, maybe some open, but also some closed. Because the problem with that is then you need to like fill it with stuff and it looks, mm-hmm. it ends up looking like messy and it's expensive to fill it with nice looking things. So I would kind of maybe do two taller cabinets on the right and the left that where there was like uppers and lowers all closed um, mm-hmm. for closed storage. I would paint it all white, like the trim of the house. Um, mm-hmm. And I would put some really pretty hardware on it, like Cremone bolts, or, you know, you could get creative with the hardware. Um yeah. For her entry, I would not do a bench. I would do a console table with lamps. Again, it's about creating like ambiance. So at night, you mm-hmm. don't have to put your overhead lights on. You can just light up those lamps and it's you look down that part of your house and it feels warm and inviting. And then mm-hmm. she could get some storage cubes for underneath a console table that you could throw shoes in. Um and then yeah. either a mirror or a piece of art. A lot of times I do really like a mirror in an entryway. I mean, everybody likes to have that one last glance at themselves as they walk okay. out the door, yeah. you know? And I think in narrow yeah. spaces like that, it bounces the light around too and makes it feel bigger, especially when, you know, looking at that picture. And that goes back to the other room, you know, just making sure you get side tables and floor lamps. Just lighting is so key. Lighting is so key. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if you might not think you need a light lamp because you've got a lot of natural light or you've got a lot of cans or whatever, it's not really about that. It's about creating a feeling um, instead of yeah. creating more light. And so her window is a tricky one. I was like screenshotting mm-hmm. it on my phone and like drawing on Instagram stories, like straight lines, like trying to measure it. <laughs> trying to <laughs> trying to see if I could get a rod all the way across that arch at the top. That's where you just want to kill a builder or whoever 
the architect of that house yeah, is you just so want to say, why the hell did you do this? Um, but I, I, I think it'll be tight. It's, tight. Oh, it's, it's tight very Martha. tight. It, I mean, I'm telling you, I had like, I had it, I had it pretty close. So if it was <laughs> me, I would be stretching the rod, like at the tippy, tippy, tippy top of that arch. Literally, it's going to be like half an inch above the arch. So it makes it to the corner before that angled ceiling happens. Um, mm-hmm. And I would hang drapery panels all the way down, a sheer, not lined, um, so that okay. she can close it in the day. And it feels like she filters some of that harsh sun, but also keeps, you know, it's not like blackout or, you know, you're still getting natural sunlight, but it's not so intense, harsh, direct sunlight. So, and I would... What about like a shade of some sort? Yes, yeah, a shade, but I mean, that's such a pain to open and close, um, heavy, uh-huh. big, difficult, um, you know, like, you, even if it was just, even if she wasn't really going to move it, it was just kind of covering some of that top window. Yeah, maybe I, mm. you know, I'm just throwing ideas out there. You're the I really would fight for the curtain. I th- and I would do like a triple fullness sheer that feels airy material mm-hmm. and it would add a lot of texture and it would actually bring like kind of the vault of that whole ceiling down and, make the room feel cozier because it's got that, you know, so tall. Well, if anything, I meant, I was thinking both. Oh, not, both. Yeah. And make correct. not, okay, not having drapes, yeah. but just having an additional yes. shade. And if you did yeah. an additional shade, I would do grass shade, like a, a textured shade. Um, mm-hmm. And that would, and that wouldn't be quite as heavy probably too. Um, and that would, that would look good. So, um, Okay, would it be weird if she, I was going to say, can she kind of cheat in case the shade can't fit all the way to the edge? Like if she's got the drapes on the side, can it yeah. like, Oof. that's going to be weird. No, <laughs> she's making a bad face. So that's a no. That's like buying pants like way too short or something. I, know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I know. Even though- it's just, it's so tight. I know. I, mean, I know. It's, it's a tricky one. That one's a real tricky one. Um. Mm-hmm. And some, I mean, I've done a lot of times like one way draw curtains, but not in this, you know, I don't, I, I think in yeah. the worst case scenario, I guess if you really that when you, when she gets the tape measure out or, you know, tries to hold up a rod across there and it really doesn't cover all the way, I would maybe do a one way draw and make it to the okay. right. It, it, that's a tricky one. It, but I think, I think warming up the space by painting that kitchen and then it's mm-hmm. kind of a balance. Like if you have a big dark navy blue sectional on one end of the room and then you have this, you know, other color on the other end of the room, it, it creates a little bit of balance. It's not like, it's not like this big white built in on one end and then this white, yeah. this kitchen that looks brand. I mean, the kitchen will end up looking like it, you know, it just, it's a Home Depot out of the box thing. If you paint it, suddenly it looks very intentional and very custom um, mm-hmm. and very unique, one of a kind, you know, and yeah. colors can be neutral, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It can, I mean, it could be a soft color. It could be a really pretty slaty blue, which looks great with black. Yeah. Um, and polished nickel hardware. That would look very pretty. So... I think that's what I would do. Brooke, you gave us a challenge. She gave us a challenge. I was really? actually asking if we could have maybe a different one. <laughs> I 
I was like, Brooke, you have your work cut out for you, but I'm so glad she reached out. That was such a good use of her her time and resources, you know, it was very clever. Um, But I I know, I feel like all of your, I mean, all of your suggestions, like she, you know. Well, she mentioned liking Jonathan Adler. And I think then when she says she doesn't want a permanent use of color. So to me, that tells me she likes Jonathan Adler and he is known for like very bold color. I mean, bright orange and bright turquoise or bright yellow. I think you can have color. It doesn't need to be that bright. And I think and it doesn't feel and you could still kind of have that kind of pop feel of Jonathan Adler with some pillows or some accessories. Um, yeah. But I think you can have color without it being those vibrant colors. So it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like such a scary commitment. Yeah. Saturated colors. Saturated mm-hmm. colors always work. Yeah. Um, I mean, Pharaoh and Ball has some gorgeous blues. Oh my gosh. And even just light oh, blues. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, there's a, yeah, there's um, light blue. Um, what's the one that starts with a P? Oh, I'm forgetting now. But anyway, there's so many. There's um, Skylight. Um, um, Parma, Parma Gray, Dunning Kitchen, and that. That's beautiful. That's gorgeous. I mean, stunning. Yeah. So I think, I think yeah. you can have, and it can still kind of feel black and white, you know, if you have the white backsplash mm-hmm. and the black countertops. It's still, even with the blue cabinets, will still kind of feel black and white. Um, yeah. Yeah. So good luck, Brooke. Give us an update. You got updates. it, Brooke. I Let really want to see do. like the before and after. I want to see the after. And, Keep yeah. on tabs of those Ballard sales and get that oval dining table. That'll immediately make a big change. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like round dining tables just works work so well anywhere that you're going to have a lot of traffic. And ovals too. I mean, ovals are really nice mm-hmm. and intimate. And it's just, um, you can squeeze a lot of people around an oval. Um, yeah, when you don't have those mm-hmm. corners. Exactly. And those yeah. legs. Like I like that center, the center base, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. Well, good luck. And and Meg, can you tell everybody where they can find you, follow you, see your work, all that good stuff? Um, so you can find me on Instagram at yeah. Meg Lonergan Interiors. Even personally, I have it not private, which mm-hmm. is just kid content and travel content because we like to travel when we can travel um, at Meg Lonergan. Um, I have a website that has edited work on it. Um, my Instagram sort of showcases older stuff just because you need more content on Instagram, but my website's kind of more of my more recent work and more edited work. And if you're in Houston, you can email me and ask me for recommendations and I'd be happy to tell you where to eat, where to shop, what to do. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, much. Caroline. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We're thrilled. I, and um, thanks for being the um, our, our final hurrah in Houston week. I love it. It's I can't wait fun. to hear everybody, all my friends on, you know, I can't, I can't wait to yeah. hear everybody's interviews. Um, there was a good group. Everyone brought something different I'm, to the table. Oh, so that good. I, that's, you know, that's one of the greatest things about our city. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a melting pot here of people and, yeah. and styles. And I love it for that. Yeah. Um, so good. All right. Well, thanks again. I appreciate it. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast so we can help you with your space. 
And of course, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time. Happy Happy decorating. decorating.